The Meet for TCAS is brought to you in part by SoneLab, a recording studio in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Offering recording, mixing, and mastering of all styles of music, we even master podcasts. Email info at sonelab.com for more information. That's info at sonelab.com. That's the record button. Have we started? We have started. So, this is the Meet for TCAST. You might always start like that. Who knows? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Meet for TCAST. Hello, thank you for joining us for season three, episode 21. I'm Elizabeth McDuffie. And I'm Mark Allen Miller. And that's what we're sticking with. So, welcome. This is a. Uh, uh, well, it's not unusual in terms of we've done this before. The special episode. Yeah, because you know what? Elizabeth was a guest on another podcast and it was great. We want to share that with you so you can go check out this podcast for yourself. We've got an excerpt of... The Catalog of Cool and the City We Became, which is episode 32 of the Better Left Unsaid podcast. Hosted by the wonderful, witty, lifelong learner, Zach Brinkman. I was very fortunate to be able to have a long, luxurious chat with him. And we're bringing you an excerpt. And if you would like to hear the rest of our conversation, which I'm certain you will, go to Better Left Unsaid. On any of your favorite podcast apps, as it usually is. I have not heard this episode. Why, why haven't I listened to this episode yet? Because Zach told me about this really, really cool thing that I am giving you for your birthday, if it arrives in time. Uh, It's been ordered. So there's a spoiler in it. And And I don't want to ruin the surprise. And I would have to like pay attention to where I was in the podcast and make sure I shut it off in time so I didn't hear the spoiler. So I decided I was going to wait. So I, like you, um, hmm, oh boy, when I edit this, am I going to hear the spoiler? It's an excerpt of the podcast, and I'm editing this tomorrow. This is suspenseful, guys. Readers, readers, listeners. We'll wait and see. <laughs> I might actually be subjected to the spoiler because I have to edit. Actually, I don't really have to listen to the whole thing because he sent us the excerpt as a file. So I'm probably not going to have to. I can avoid this. Yay! We have... <laughs> a sponsor we do so grateful for them sucre bay you can sucre bay is a wonderful woman-owned indie perfumer based out of portland oregon cruelty free it's perfume made by weirdos like you (laughs) and like me i can't think of another place where you can get perfumes like goth as fuck No, probably not. Probably not. That's great, though. You can go to www.sucrebay, S-U-C-R-E-A-B-E-I-L-E.com and find all their wonderful, original fragrances. We really appreciate them being a sponsor of Meat for Tea. How are they a sponsor of Meat for Tea and the Meat for Tea cast, though? You can be one, too. You can. All you need to do is do a full-page ad in the magazine, and you get an ad spot on the podcast, too. 
read live by us. Or read or, by you if yeah, you want to send us a you could. voice memo. Yeah. But baked into every episode during the cycle of that magazine's life. So that's a yeah. three-month cycle of podcasts that you will have your wonderful sponsorship acknowledged. So there's mm, that. Certainly will. So thank you, Sucre Bay. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, Sucre Bay. We love you. And they're also one of the few places... There's a couple others, but one of the few that carries 4160 Tuesdays. Oh, yes. Sarah Wonderful McCartney. fragrances. Sarah McCartney. She's great. Of course, she was on a prior episode of the Meaver Teacast, so you can go check that out. And she was also a featured but the first nosings. The first nosings essay. That's right. So very exciting. She's the one who had our inaugural nosings essay. Wonderful column that we've been doing every issue since and it's great we've got what do we have for the next one marina barthania oh yeah mb perfumes or something like that yeah she's a space scientist and a perfumer right that's her oh right she's right. written this a very so cool. futuristic piece so yes we know this is the podcast but we are rooted in and originate from meat for tea the arts and literary journal and you guys could do worse than to Get your hands on a copy so you can read these and know what we're talking about. Oh, right. And a way to support us is to go to meetfortea.com forward slash buy.htm and pick up a PDF or a physical copy of the issue. Or, or forward slash subscribe. .htm and subscribe to the magazine for yourself or for a friend. We also have Just in Time for Father's Day and Just in Time for any occasion you might have in mind. <laughs> so much cool merch. There are tote bags. Oh, God, there's, I mean, pint pint glasses and water bottles. Mugs. And uh, hoodies and... Socks. Tank tops and, yeah. So you can find that on any of the pages on meatfortea.com. There's a little t-shirt icon. Click on that. Go grab yourself some nice stuff. Really want to show Dad how much you love him? Get him a subscription to Meat for Tea. And a tote bag to put it in. And a mug to enjoy the tea he drinks while reading Meat for Tea. Let's see. There's one other way you can support us that we have a Patreon page where we are slowly but surely adding more content. We are. Exclusive content that is not on this podcast, or if it's on this podcast, you hear a little teaser of it, and then you can go hear the whole thing. There will be much more forthcoming. We're kind of building that up as we speak. And if you spend a little more than the basic tier, you get a subscription to the PDF of the magazine every three months when it comes out, delivered to your inbox. So there's that. That's it's a, a pretty, pretty cool thing. And that's only five bucks a month, so pretty good deal. June 11th, for those of you that live in the region. That would be Western Massachusetts or proximal. Yeah, we've had people come in from Brooklyn. Yeah, and Rhode people Island People come in Boston. from Vermont. Yeah. All over the place. Connecticut, yeah. But we have the Circa Desabay coming up and it's going to be at Abandoned Building Brewery it's a full night with art on exhibit spoken word and films by Austin Rutledge yeah, live music from Owen Manure and the Eurojets right oh Eurojets who you know well, let's see we've had we've had various incarnations of of Jeff and Jenna Lloyd's project but they were also Guests on the Meat for Tea cast. They were. Go back and check out that episode. 
it's getting to the point now where it's like, oh, gee, we mentioned somebody. Oh, were they a guest on me for T-Cast? Yes, yes they, they were. were. You got to go check it out. Speaking <laughs> of guests on the podcast. Yeah, what's coming up next? Next one. Be very excited. I'm going to be talking with Max Furick, the author of Somebody Else's Dream, Dakota, The Buoys, and Timothy. And it's, it's an amazing book. He basically talks about the 50th anniversary. Well, he talks about the most disturbing song ever recorded, Timothy, with lyrics about cannibalism in a Pennsylvania coal mine. And I'm still looking for a copy of this song. I'm thinking, there's a song called Pennsylvania Coal Mine, and I think it might have been done by the Stone Coyotes. Hmm. Stay tuned for that one in a couple weeks. But maybe we should tuck into the... Uh, it's more than a teaser. It's a fair chunk of your conversation. Thirty-five minute chunk. Yeah. The conversation is two and a half hours. Right. And I recommend listening to the whole thing because it's a long and winding and fascinating journey. I think you'll enjoy it. You know, the premise of his podcast is he gets people to come on and tell like their most embarrassing. Tell story. an embarrassing story, yeah. and his whole idea is. Just to kind of create this common ground where everyone realizes that everybody has embarrassing moments. And then he takes it from there into just a full bore conversation about Well, he stuff. has a theme. He finds a theme he wants to explore, and it's mm-hmm. all based on something he'd like to gain more knowledge about. Ah, so yes. it's it's interesting. You can hear us learning from each other. And it's a good one. So if you like the excerpt that we're about to play for you, you can go check it out. After you hear this, and probably, if you like yeah. the meat for tea cast, but sad we didn't have a new review to read. Mm, yeah, you can five star review with writing Apple Podcasts. Or we'll read your writing. Like or subscribe to the meat for tea cast on every place you get your podcasts, and maybe most importantly, tell a friend, turn them on. Yeah, we love it. We love doing this for you. So you can leave us a voice memo. Just uh, record a voice memo on your phone and send it to meetforteacast at gmail.com. So shall we talk into this? Yeah. Without further ado, my conversation with Zach Brinkman of Better Left Unsaid. Take it away, guys. Um, Hello, Lista. Hello, Zach. So nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you. So you are the co-founder and editor of uh, Meat for Tea, The Valley Review, and Correct. the host of the Meat for Tea cast. Correct. And editor also of, we have a chat book press, so Meat for Tea Press. Chat nice. Books. And then producer of the multi-genre gala events put together to celebrate the release of each issue of my quarterly publication. So it's fantastic. That's all just those few things. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I'd, I'd be lying if I said, or uh, yeah, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't impressed by all it seems you've had your hands in um, just talking to you outside of this. Uh, you seem to have done or keep doing a lot, which I find uh very impressive. Thank you. I, I guess it's all stuff. It's stuff I enjoy doing. So I, I can't imagine not right doing it. So it doesn't. I mean, it, it is work. I don't want to say it's not work, but it's it's fun work. 
I think that's something we all kind of strive for, especially more recently with, you know, labor shortages in quotation marks. Um, you know, with people finally standing up and saying, I'm not getting paid enough to do something that I don't enjoy doing. Right. Um, although one thing about doing something you enjoy in the arts is um, make your peace with not being rich. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Disabuse yourself of that notion. That There's a joke in the publishing community, um, how to make a small fortune in publishing. Start with a large one. <laughs> so. I live for that. Honestly, though, I, I wonder how, how dissimilar that is from, you know, I was talking to my partner's sister, who's much younger than we are. Um, and she was talking about how she wants to get into business and how she wants to be successful. And I was like, look at Jeff Bezos, look at Bill Gates, look at all those people. Be better than them, at least morally. As far as starting a business in a garage, they started with also like hundreds of thousands of dollars of seed money from, you know, rich mm -hmm. parents and things like that. So, yeah. And be better than them is actually kind of a low, low bar morally. Right. 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 <laughs> it's I agree. Not an especially high bar. And yeah, there's that whole Steve Jobs mythology of just this little DIY thing in a garage, which completely sidesteps and overlooks the fact that this is a young white boy of privilege. Absolutely, from wealth. Born into every single imaginable advantage. Mm-hmm. So to tell this like an everyman story is well, it's just a lie. I think that's why I live for uh, particular figures. We look at Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, who was love, a bartender. Love. Absolutely. Bow down. I adore her right. so much. Right. I, I would love to just get a drink with her. Like just, Me too. Just like oh have a drink, have a fun or night two. out. So oh, much. Oh, yes, Absolutely. So much. Yeah, she's on my list of people I'd like to go out for a beverage with. Um, Barack Obama and Michelle seem like they'd be fun to go out for a drink with. I would I have think. them down for a game night, just like playing totally. board games. That would be fantastic. Totally. It'd be so much fun. Yeah, Kamala seems like she wouldn't suck to have a drink with. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think Nancy Pelosi would probably be a fun one to throw back some beverages with. I think she would get more fun the more beverages you have. Right. Definitely. <laughs> Just start with martinis and you won't need to have many. I I look for a good martini. Me too. It's been a while since I've had one. Same. Same. I need just to get get over it and be a real grown-up and invest in a cocktail shaker because they're truly not difficult to make. Well, luckily enough, my partner spent some amount of time as a bartender, so we have a cocktail shaker. We just don't Yay. have the ingredients. I just need to get just all the gin. vodka, a gin, uh, vermouth, some olive juice. 
for a dirty martini. I, I like mine utterly dry. I don't want any olive juice hmm. anywhere near mine. I stand I, with your right to a dirty martini, though. I stand of course. for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's definitely... Uh, I'm definitely an odd one in the bunch more times than not with with my liking for dirty martinis. Well, I don't know. I, I think there's a, a pretty even even divide in the population. As far as vermouth goes, there, there's a food writer, was it MFK Fisher, who said the best way to get the right amount of vermouth into your martini mm-hmm. is simply to store it in your liquor cabinet in front of the gin, just so the light shines through the bottle. And that's enough for me. That's all you need. <laughs> you don't need any more than that. <laughs> it gives me very LaCroix, any sort of those uh, uh, seltzer waters, uh, very much uh, ghost of whatever fruit flavor it is. Right. <laughs> like Really, if, if you just have enough vermouth, just to swish it around your glass and dump it out. That's enough. I, the drier, I the better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, depending on the quality of your gin, which you don't want to skimp on. Right. So for the Bombay right. Sapphire, or we've got a local distillery here, Murma, that does a good job on Ooh. their gins. Yeah. And we got all the beer distilleries down here. We got St. Arnold's, though. St. Arnold's is uh, not one to I'm scoff not at. familiar. I guess, why would I be here, this, this right. Yankee girl in Massachusetts? Well, we have, if you uh, ever come down to Texas, if I on the off do, chance, <laughs> yeah, I, I I need to get over my fear and loathing for everything south of the Mason-Dixon border. <laughs> right, but, right. But the bulk of what's happening down there politically keeps reinforcing my already existent fear and loathing. Well, I mean, as I mentioned before, right. As I mentioned before, we are fully looking outside of the the state now to find better jobs and all that stuff. Uh, So the sooner we can escape um, all the craziness and... If you come up here, let me know. I've got a nice population of all the artsy people you'd ever want to know to put you in contact with. I love that. Fantastic. Right? (laughs) That's the community I hang out with. That's the best community to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody I know is either a writer, an artist, a musician, performer. Every, just about every single person. And that's the way I like it. Awesome. So you've listened to the podcast before. I have. I'm. I think a three times now. I very much enjoy it. It's delightful. I'm Europe. glad you do. It's so much fun. It's a super fun listen. I try to make it as fun as possible, and the best way to start is with an embarrassing story. So, since you are the guest, by all means. All right. Well, I have a couple. I guess I'll pick the celebrity one now. So there's there's a period of time some years ago when noted author Kurt Vonnegut lived in our town. Right. That's when I was living in Northampton, Massachusetts. He actually lived on our street. And as it happened, I waited for the school bus with my 
youngest daughter, who was then um, a first grader, then a second grader, at the same bus stop with his daughter and his granddaughter. Mm-hmm. So that all was happening. And then he came to town and a local gallery, R. Michelson Galleries, did a big exhibit of his artwork, his paintings, and the Northampton Brewery, as you know, we've got a ton of craft breweries in this neck of the woods. They right. made a couple of Vonnegut beers. And of course, I had to go to the art opening. And I didn't have a childcare option for Aaron, who I think was just seven at the time. So I brought her with me to the opening. And we walked around and looked at all the paintings. She really didn't want to go, but I didn't have childcare and I wasn't going to not go and say hello to Kurt Vonnegut while I was in town. So we walked around and looked at the paintings. I tried one of the beers named after him and then it became time to queue up and shake his hand and greet him. And I really don't like to fan out. I like to find the personal things. So I just simply told him, hey, it's just been a Delight getting to know your little granddaughter and your daughter at the bus stop where we wait every day. <laughs> and that was it. Just shook, shook his hand, you know, welcome to Northampton. And um, turned around to walk away. And we were nowhere near out of earshot. We were maybe three feet away when little Aaron piped up. And seven-year-olds, when they pipe up, they can't say, Can we go now, Mommy? These paintings are no good anyhow. Oh, no. (laughs) Just, you know, she might as well have just said it directly to him. So a little embarrassing, but there's a a redemptive element to this story where um, her big sister, my older daughter, was friends with his grandson. They hung out together Mm -hmm. after school, and she was actually at his grandson's house for dinner that night, and Mr. Vonnegut himself came home, and he said the best part of that whole art opening was that little redhead girl, that's Aaron, speaking true about his artwork. Because oh. <laughs> he's so used to people being like, you know, bow down and worship Mr. Vonnegut. Right. Of course, now, now he's no longer with us, but so many people would just like fan out hard, which... um I actually saw a fellow do that who I know just, you you changed my life, your books. And Kurt was just like, uh, yeah, so I wrote a few books and like walked right. away. He finds that <laughs> deeply mortifying. So that's that's that embarrassing story. I mean, first off, kids say the darndest things, and I know. They are actually, honest. They I actually say posted what they a, think. Right. I actually posted a Twitter uh, message or a Twitter I need post. I follow uh, you on Twitter. You do. You I do. must. I must. <laughs> yes. Um, I actually posted a embarrassing story, which I'm going to start doing Thursday. So if anyone follows us on Twitter, I'm going to try to start doing Throwback Thursdays, but only embarrassing stories. Fantastic. Um, or at least that's my goal, you know, outreach and all that jazz. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like it. But I, it was a story. We were at a restaurant. I was maybe 
five, four or five. And my parents, as they do in the like late nineties whispered and, Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, people watching. Um, and a girl walks past with her family, teenage, uh, not too far off from uh, my own sister. And she had colors in her hair. And, you know, that was up and coming in the late 90s. Punky, but it was still punky very, girl. Yes. It was still very punky. It was still very alternative, which is wild because now a majority of my friends color their hair on a regular basis. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's just common. My, my hair is, it's a natural brunette color because I started to find, even though I was I was a punk rock girl back in the day, I started to find mm-hmm. the punky covers just so done. Right. That everybody's doing it. I'm like, well, then, okay, I guess I'll stick out by having natural colored hair. I mean, that's that's what I'm currently living for, so. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but she, the girl had passed and my mom tries to whisper to my dad, um, I would never let my daughter have hair like that, which I forgive them. It was the early 90s. They right. have since become uh, much more uh, open and accepting. Evolved. Um, <laughs> well, they have a very, very queer flamboyant son who does drag and they've shown up to drag shows. So I, I give them some amount of props for evolving from from That's back fantastic. then. Um, but my dad didn't quite catch it. Didn't quite catch what my mom said. So he goes, huh? And me being um, me, uh, go... And little. Oh, absolutely. No shame. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mom said she never let a girl have her hair colored like that. <laughs> <laughs> nice and loud fully. to make sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right? Um, fully, this girl and her family all turn in to give death glares. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, kids say the darndest things. <laughs> they, they just pipe up with everything. I mean, the, the Kurt Vonnegut one's the more notable one, but there's so many. And there's my son in line at the grocery store with me, and there's a woman of a certain weight standing in line and in front of us, and he was probably five, the same age you were when that happened. And you know, five-year-olds are basically butt height to the rest of the world. Right. The, the adult world. So this woman is standing directly in his line of vision. He's like, Mommy, that woman's butt is so huge. Just like, and he wasn't judging. You know, the tone in his voice wasn't mean. It was more like he was marveling. Or just wondering at like the possibility of such a thing. That was his tone. Like, wow, that's 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 impressive. I I think that's part of the reason why. I mean, I I was a children's entertainer for a number of years. Um, I love that. For my dad's, for my dad's company. Uh oh, the clown. I still have the nose somewhere. Uh, um, that's so cool. It, it was a blast. It was always a blast. And I just remember there was one magic show I did. And of course, I asked the kids, okay, what magic word are we going to all say together to do the magic? 
I was at a show and there was maybe a 10 year old who's 10 ish. Um, he shouts over everyone osteoporosis. <laughs> <laughs> and I about that's died so laughing. awesome. That's so good. And unfortunately, we didn't pick it, but. I, I, it was definitely something that I still remember to this day. Uh, That's so good. Being so funny, such a good magic word, osteoporosis. He was probably proud of himself for having mastered that multisyllabic word. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. I also give major props to Kurt Vonnegut for being able to look at a small child who absolutely just trashes his work on the way out, <laughs> being able to look at that and be like, it's a kid. It's a kid. She's a little girl. I am going to take it in stride. I'm going to laugh at that later. I'm going to tell that story because yeah. I, I, I would be surprised if he didn't tell that story more than just to his family. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she became somewhat legendary among his colleagues at all. And I don't know, there's, there's a documentary streaming on Hulu right now. I think it's called Unstuck in Time, and it's all about Kurt Vonnegut. It's it's beautiful, but um, you get the sense that that's the kind of personality he had anyway. He would be the right. first one to laugh at himself. And I don't know if you've read him much, but all of his books are gently laughing at the human condition. Right. So that's a recurring thing. Very satirical. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Satirical and also... um Laughing in the face of raw horror. You know, he was a prisoner of war right. during the bombing of Dresden. So, you know, that that's that's a thing to and from that experience they got Slaughterhouse Five. Right. But but that's really a thing to give a not an altogether light treatment as a complex, but there, but there's lightness to the book. And you know, every time there's a death, there's and so it goes, and right. so it goes, because that death was just the, oh, there's another one, and there's another one, and so it goes. So right. that's the kind of intelligence he had. That's his personality. So I think she was doing, if you could have scripted his favorite art criticism, that might have been the thing. Might have been a. Well, that's just fantastic, honestly. <laughs> I think I think that's a wonderful story. Thank um, you. I'm glad you liked it. I realized I'm a lot older than you are. I think you're the same age as one of my kids, actually. But in my 59 years of life, preparing for this, I just went back through everything I could remember. And I only have like two embarrassing memories, that one and one other. And my takeaway from that is either I'm just simply not easily embarrassed. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things just don't count as embarrassing to me. Right. Or um, maybe I just don't act a fool all the time, although I don't think that's likely. I think it's probably just that I'm not easily embarrassed. 
I think that's something that I sort of always wanted to create with this podcast is uh, the idea that everybody has embarrassing stories. Everybody has done things that they're not necessarily proud of. Yeah. Um, or experience things that, you know, they wish if time could reverse, you know, they would do something differently. But I think the idea that we all have them is something that unites everyone. Definitely. Um, and I think the idea of not talking about them is just so, so silly to me because you walk into a grocery store everybody in that grocery store or at least quite a large amount of people have probably done a lot of the similar like embarrassing things or been through similar embarrassing yeah. things to you and i just i think finding common ground through uh, you know looking back and seeing humor at what what has been done. I know uh, if you ever end up listening to some of the older episodes, uh, you will learn a whole lot about me. Fine. <laughs> I'll have to dig into the back catalog. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've always just loved sort of that aspect of sort of not necessarily criticism to the point of like self-degradation, but definitely looking back and finding humor and like, huh, yeah, that, that was funny. Yeah, it's just, it creates such common ground. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a very beautiful goal. Well, thank you. Um, so getting into the topic, because we do have a topic, um, okay. we're talking about composition. We are talking about composition and yeah, because my background is as an English professor, of course, my, the first place I go is just a dictionary. And um, if you just look up what it is to compose, mm -hmm. it's to arrange or organize largely so you can compose your thoughts. There's right. um, the tradition, largely French, of the composed salad. Like a salad niçoise, a, a composed salad, it's, it's beautifully arranged on the plate. Yeah. So there's that. There's to compose. And I, once you think about all the different ways you can do this, like a piece of music, once again, at its root, you're arranging disparate elements. Right. Into, and talk about music, into a harmonious pattern then in, in right. visual art what is it to make a composition again you're taking the elements and you're arranging them harmoniously i think uh one definition that i found uh for composition that i actually really liked um just maybe the phrasing but the nature of something's ingredients or constituents the way in which a whole right. or mixture is made up and i I like that just because of the aspect of everything in some way, some aspect being a composition. Um, right. I mean, th there's a I lot mean, of like accidental compositions that are some of the most beautiful you can ever find. Like nature, um, you look at the spirals on a sea seashell or look at 
Right. A pine cone and there's, you know, about Fibonacci's spiral. Mm-hmm. Of course, that there's, there's that just repeated over and over again and talk about a harmonious design. Right. Occurring right, spontaneously. Well, I mean, and even going so deep as to say that people's personalities and the way people turn out is literally a composition of everything that they've been through in their lives or things that they haven't necessarily been through, but are genetic and make up some aspects of themselves and all those things creating the composition of a person, which right. I, for, for whatever reason, I, I was just thinking about that. And I, no, I, I, like, oh, I absolutely love that. And then there's really the whole, like, what is it to compose your thoughts or to achieve a state of composure, mm-hmm. you know, which is calm. And these are all, you know, related words right. and, you know, through, through meditation, might you become more composed? Right. And then I know I definitely, anytime I have, you know, weird arguments or tension with my partner, it's, it's, there is benefit in finding composure and, taking a step back and reflecting and seeing what all the parts of, right. What all the parts of what just happened, what that was made up of and pull out the parts that are me and say, okay, I need to do better about these parts of this issue. And again, that's kind of making a composition out of that whole circumstance. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as, Things would have it. My PhD studies were in a field called composition rhetoric, which translated for laymen, not to sound snobby, but I think a translation is useful. I, I need I need the translation. <laughs> I need the translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's writing and the teaching of writing. So so my bag was really specializing in thinking theoretically and deeply about what goes into those required first-year writing courses, you know, your comp one and your comp two. So I I thought about um, composition very formally and academically on that level too. Right. So it's a good good theme for me. (laughs) Well, I I mean, I'm a designer, so... Composition is definitely something, and I know... Uh, like the rule of I know three? That, oh, absolutely. That's key. Absolutely. Um, but even looking at, I think, after like the first two years of my undergrad, suddenly seeing objects not just as their function, but all the different aspects of why they are the way they are, why they look the way they look what the person was possibly thinking whenever they were making that. Um, I know, um, I, and this sort of ends up bleeding into my, my masters cause I was doing supply chain. So we were doing case studies on businesses and, uh, masters of supply chain. One of which, um, is Ikea. Mm, and interesting. Uh, how, Everything at IKEA is designed specifically to be cost-effective, 
which most design, you know, they do cost effective pretty well. And easy to ship. Mm, so can you can break it down. Mm-hmm. You can lay it flat, pack it up in compact forms. If you look at any sort of cups, glassware at Ikea, it's all really, really easy to stack. Yeah, a, a, a fair amount of our our furniture actually is Ikea <laughs> because, well, a lot of reasons. Between my husband and I, we have like over 2,000 albums of vinyl. We're huge mm-hmm. vinyl collectors. So there's Ikea cubes that works super well for that. And I have... Right. Many, 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 many books and their shelves are sturdy and affordable. And I'm sitting at an Ikea dining room table and I'm actually sitting on an Ikea chair. And (laughs) come to think of it, Zach, I'm pretty much surrounded by... Yeah, there's some other things (laughs) in with the Ikea, but there's a fair amount of Ikea. I challenge all the listeners right now to just take a look around. What are you sitting count on? The number, count, <laughs> count the number of IKEA IKEA furniture pieces. Oh my god! Because I am pretty sure I have at least four in the room that I'm in currently. I mean, if I count the individual chairs, I'm up to six already. The table makes seven. The bookshelf across <laughs> from me makes eight. The vinyl shelves in the living room nine, ten. There's probably a dozen in this house. Wait, we sleep on an IKEA bed frame. No, my son, my my husband's son sleeps on an IKEA bed. Our bed was actually given to us by a rock star. <laughs> oh, Julie uh, and friend. Oh, th- th- there's just a lot of those to be found in this area. But um, Julie Caffritz, who is with um, Pussy Galore, back in the days. So. I can hook you up with links. Pussy Galore is fun. Yeah. They're awesome. I and that. More recently, First off, I just love that name, but... <laughs> I, I, I feel like it should be a drag persona for someone. I don't know if anyone's adopted it for that, so I think it's up for grabs. I am certain it is. I uh, I know my... Pussy Galore, uh, what a great drag name. Right? It's classic. I mean, my drag name uh, came from Siri. What's uh, your drag name? Is, so, uh, Alameo. Alameo. Oh my God. I love it so much. So, uh, That's so for a clever. point in time, for a point, well, thanks Siri for being clever or not being able to understand my dictation. Um, for a point in time, my phone was on the fritz, so I could only type through dictation. Oh, and no. anytime I would say LMAO, like laugh my ass off it would autocorrect to Ella Mayo. And I was like, yep, that's it. That's that's the name. See, this makes me want to revive the Kilbasa sisters, but then I'd have to get you proximal to me because um, <laughs> the character name I made up for myself in that postmodern cabaret duo was Elsa Kilbasa. And what would go better with Elsa Kubasa than Ella Mayo. Right. Um, They're just like a sandwich made in heaven. 
Well, uh, one of my closest friends who I've had since basically birth, um, he also has done drag. He's a bit more of a makeup enthusiast than I myself am. And uh, his drag name is Irma Gord. Oh my God. <laughs> Irma Gord. As I, as I, does everyone react to it that way? Does everyone do that? It, did I just do what every single person does? <laughs> Yes. 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 Because it um, triggers whenever, that. It's like Pavlovian. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Whenever whenever he told me about it, I immediately was like, oh, my God, you bitch. <laughs> I it's love just that genius. so much. I love it so much. <laughs> Well, that was cool. Wasn't that great? I don't know. I may not have heard it yet because, you know, spoilers and whatnot. I'm talking to them. <laughs> Fair enough. So if you like what you heard, go check it out. Go go check out Better Left Unsaid on your favorite podcast app or website or however you get yeah, your podcast. Don't just listen to my episode. He's got a bunch of really, really wonderful episodes. I've listened to several now and I... Plan to listen to more because it's a delight. Awesome. Awesome. And also two weeks from now, stay tuned for Max Furick. Yeah, exactly. Elizabeth's conversation with Max. And again, June 11th, if you're in the East Hampton area or even remotely proximal, please come to the Cirque. It's going to be a good time. For the release of the next issue of Meat for Tea. The Mugwort issue. Issue 16, volume two. That's mm-hmm. right. 16 years, folks. 16 years and going. So, anyway, thank you very much for sticking around for another episode of the Meat for Tea cast, and we will catch you in a couple weeks. See you next time. The Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea, the Valley Review, mixed by Mark Allen Miller at Sewing Lab, East Hampton, Massachusetts. Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meatforteacast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash meatforteacast. We welcome suggestions for our contents for the Meat for Tea cast. If you've attended a Meat for Tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright Meat for Tea and their respective holders. Vote for Meat for Tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeth, Meat for Tea on Instagram, and on the Meat for Tea and Meat for Tea cast Facebook pages. Meat for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts.